Do you remember Hampton Creek? Yeah. And so what they were doing is they were making plant-based mayonnaise, no eggs. And they launched into Whole Foods and they're like, we're the number one mayonnaise in Whole Foods. And everyone was like, this brand is on fire. Everyone apparently has wanted eggless mayonnaise. And you'd go to Whole Foods and be like, what are, you, what are their sales at Whole Foods? And Whole Foods would be like, these guys are crushing it. They're the number one seller of mayonnaise at Whole Foods. And you're like, wow, these guys are amazing. And it turned out what they were doing was they were having people across the country go into Whole Foods, buy Hampton Creek mayonnaise and throw it in the garbage. And yeah. one guy, like, I don't know if he tweeted, like somebody made this public and the business, you know, was like pr- basically over that day because their investors were like, what the fuck? You said you were the number one seller of home, uh, at Whole Foods. I didn't realize you were taking investor money to go buy the mayonnaise at Whole Foods and then just throw in the garbage. This is Limited Supply, the place for refreshingly real takes on what D2C is really like. We're your hosts, Nick and Moyes. Let's start talking about money. Nick, did you know that Tapcart apps have generated more than $5 billion in sales for Shopify's fastest growing brands? Everyone from Fashion Nova to Mudwater to our friend Ben at uh, True Classic Tees, uh, Tapcart is powering all of their apps. I didn't realize it was that big, but it does make sense. And I love the examples that you gave because those are, they're either high consumption or high consumable products, or it's apparel where I feel like there's a higher consideration funnel. It makes perfect sense to be using a mobile app in those cases. Yeah. Tapcart's mobile app has a 2.3x higher conversion rate versus the mobile web. And to learn more, go to tapcart.com slash limited. All right, Nick, penultimate episode of season four. Uh, We've got this one, one more to shoot, and we're done with the season. You know, I felt like this season lasted longer because we did so many quickly early on in the season, and then we sort of did it weekly, and now we're doing it a little bit. Uh, I kind of liked when we were rapid firing them. Yeah, yeah, me too. We uh, Keeps the momentum going. Season five, exactly. Yeah. Also, today, June 28th, today's my birthday. Oh, when this, dro- when this podcast drops, it's your birthday? When it drops, it's my birthday. Oh, yeah. happy birthday. Wow. Thank okay, you, you're going to get a... You're- <laughs> you <know. laughs> I just injected that dopamine <laughs> in my arm right there. <laughs> There's all these, uh, like in India, people will put up billboards and it'll say, you know, my birthday is June 28th. Please text me happy birthday. Here's my phone Hey, number. if somebody wants to put up a billboard, Brian, let's put up a billboard. <laughs> if you had given me a month's notice, I would have put up a billboard. <laughs> Next year. I always thought like, um, I want to get into guess this business in a second, but I always thought that one uh, business should exist where they take a Times Square billboard and sell it to you. Like, you know, you can upload a text or video or photo and they sell you that billboard by the second or by the minute. And then maybe they charge you a hundred dollars a minute, but like, let's say uh, you're proposing to your girlfriend or it's your birthday or something to that effect. Like if it's your birthday, I would pay a hundred dollars. Hey, be like, hey, Nick, let's meet in Times Square. And then be like, look, I bought this. You know, it says, happy birthday, Nick Sharma on a big billboard in Times Square. I'm surprised that no one's doing that yet. It'd be so fun and interactive. That would be a good one. Have you seen the uh, the birthday videos you can get from like seven people in India in a jungle? They'll like make a video like singing your name and happy birthday and dancing. And it's probably like 30 bucks and they send it to you. Yeah, that is probably <laughs> a better deal. Okay, well. One of the feedback, uh, I got this, um, somebody uh, messaged me on Twitter earlier today and was like, hey, Moyes, you didn't make any jokes in the last episode that I just listened to. It was really disappointing. So I'm going to try to <laughs> in this episode. All but right. okay, let's get into guess this business. Here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. This company is worth $2.5 billion. It's publicly okay. traded. 
You have definitely shopped there, although I would guess that you have not shopped there in several years, but that's a guess. You could have ended up shopping there earlier this year, but you probably have not shopped there for several years. I've shopped at this store many times as I was a kid, a little bit less as an adult, although you know you still could shop there as an adult. As an adult. Okay. Um, it, the company is worth $2.5 billion. They have enough cash that every year they pay a 6% dividend. Do you know what a, a dividend is? No. Can you explain it? So let's say your company is worth $100 a share, you know, trades for $100 a share. You're making all this money, right? Like Sharma Brands is making a bunch of money. Native is making a bunch of money. As you make this money, you know, your bank account just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And what do you do when you're a company with a huge bank account? Like, yes, your stock price has gone up, but all your shareholders are like, why, why, like, you know, Apple shareholders are legitimately thinking, why are you guys sitting on $100 billion in cash? You guys sell so many iPhones. Why don't you give some of that money back to shareholders? Right. And so a dividend is this thing that says every year we'll give you back some, some cash every single year because we're making too much cash and we don't know what to do with it. So we want you to have it back. You know, P&G has famously increased their dividend every single year for like 50 years. This company pays a 6% dividend, which is super high. So if you have a $100 stock price per share price, this company pays you back $6 every single year. They just put it in wow. your bank account, $6. Okay, let me keep going. $2.5 billion market cap, 2,700 stores across the US, Europe, and Asia. 2,000 are in the United States. Average size of the store, 3,200 square feet. 15,000 full-time employees, 32,000 part-time employees. So a total of 47,000 employees. They did $8.7 billion in sales last year. 17.5% came from direct-to-consumer. In 2021, 21.5% came from direct-to-consumer. So the vast majority is coming from these 2,700 stores. The COGS on $8.7 billion in revenue is $6 billion. Okay. SG&A is $2 billion. Of the SGNA, $185 million is advertising expenses. That's it? Yep. It's a wow. you know, it's a brand. When we talk, when we mention the brand name, you'll be like, you don't need, yeah, you know, I know what that is. I guarantee you'll know what it is. Net income from operations is six hundred million dollars. Okay. From of the six hundred million dollars, seventeen million comes from gift card breakage. <laughs> wow. Your favorite. Okay. Final clue is the CEO of the store, the CEO of this brand, has been the CEO for less than one year. And previously, this woman worked at Ulta for eight years. She was the CEO of Ulta for eight years. And in order to ha have her come from Ulta to this company, I would uh, she should take 75% of this company. Like Ulta is so good and what she's built is so amazing. And this company is like, doesn't need a turnaround, but it's probably not in the best shape. And, yeah. uh, you know, she's amazing. So I think that like... Um, they should be very grateful to have a CEO as qualified as she is. Uh, okay, ask me any questions you'd like. Okay, your first two clues make me think this is a mall store for sure. Yeah, it's often in malls. Okay. 15,000 employees, 32,000 part-time. Yeah, 15,000 full-time, 32,000 part-time, 47,000 employees total. And 3,200 square feet. That's not a huge store, so it's not uh, like... One of my gas stations was 3,200 square feet. Yeah. And six billion in cogs, so they don't produce their own products; they resell other people's. This products. is so good. Yes, that is that is true, and you are getting so good at this. 
Okay, and there's a good amount of gifting. And the advertising is small, which also means that it's somewhat of a necessity probably versus uh, like it's something you just have to buy is my guess. I think you have to buy it. But like, um, what's a good example of this? You might have to buy a car. You don't need to buy a Mercedes Benz. This isn't Mercedes, but like, you know, like you ask, you have to have this. This store is like maybe the premium version of the stuff you have to have. Okay. I'm thinking something in apparel. (laughs) I see that smile. I want you to get it. I want you to get it without any, like, you know, I I think you're, you're on it. Okay. Could it possibly be a Payless? Payless (laughs) shoes? You are so close. So close. I'm not sure if Payless Shoes still has 2,700 stores. It might. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, I'm trying to think. Last time I went to a mall, there was one called Nice Kicks, but I think that's small, like a small chain. Foot Locker? Yes, it's Foot Locker. Oh, let's go. Two for 10. <laughs> hey, these are not easy. So that's really amazing. Uh, these are not easy. That's amazing. 6% back on Foot Locker? Yeah, yeah, that is really, I, I think part of that is, I think people might be afraid that that 6% is going to go down. Usually if yeah. your dividend is so high like that, people are like, this is going to come down because you can't, you don't have enough cash to keep paying this. After, you need to come up with $6 per share every year. You know, that's, that just isn't possible. I'm not sure if that's the case with Foot Locker. That's a lot of money for $600 million in net income off of $8.5 billion. Yeah, that is. Um, you know, one of the things that I was going to say is, I bet you have not shopped there recently, but I bet Raba, the you know CMO, <laughs> yeah. like, I bet he's shopped there the yeah, last week. Yeah, probably been there That's every weekend. Away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, here's some interesting things about Foot Locker. That I've got like a before reveal and after reveal part. After okay. reveal, footwear represented 80% of sales and apparel and accessories represented 20% of sales. Oh, wow. They just acquired two different brands. One is WSS. And the other is one called ATMOS, Atmos, I guess. I haven't heard Uh, of either of those. uh, Listen to the price that they paid. For Atmos, they paid $372 million. For WSS, they paid $809 million. Whoa. WSS is a US-based, off-mall, athletic footwear and apparel retailer focused on the Hispanic consumer. It operates 93 stores, primarily on the West Coast, and in 2022, it did $600 million in revenue. Damn. That's amazing for 93 stores. I've never heard of it either. WSS, $800 million purchase price, $600 million in revenue. Footwear and apparel retailer focused on the Hispanic consumer. Like, you know, really, when I was reading this, I was just like, wow, people can build businesses doing anything. Like, you know, I've got no idea what I'm doing, it turns out. Or like, I, I thought I like I understood business and like the sca- like you know the landscape of American business. And I hear something like this and I'm like, oh yeah, I know nothing. That is hilarious. And it's started by a white dude named Eric. <laughs> is it really? No. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it really? You looked at you looked it up and it says what I, oh I just God. looked it up. Wow. Eric okay. Allen. Allen. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay, let's shift gears. Bunch of stuff to chat about. You tell me what you want to chat about first. I've got a bunch of stuff I want to chat about too. Okay, so I I love when I find 
the next generation of dropshippers somewhere because I feel like they are the ones that are doing everything that everybody else is going to be doing in a year from now. And so especially when it comes to e-commerce, I love it because they're the best when it comes to testing hooks and angles and things that work and little engagement hacks and engagement bait and all these things. Do you use TikTok a lot or no? Too much. Okay. Me too. I'm like a cracked out, you know, crackhead at one in the morning scrolling, uh, telling myself I need to go to sleep, but just one more. And so anyways, (laughs) (laughs) so recently I've seen you know, the TikTok shop, like the ability to just buy products in the actual TikTok experience. Have you seen that? Like the little product no. buttons that pop up? Okay, no, so you'll you probably start seeing products. it soon. Yeah, within like two clicks, you can just, somebody can show their video. You click one button, it just says buy now or chat. You can chat with the seller, you can buy it right away. Is that only for ads or is that for anybody? Completely organic. Wow, so uh, like an organic, like, you know, mini katana can be like, hey, buy this sword. Yeah. And there's, there's two ways it works really well. One is if you're the brand, obviously, you know, you tag your own products, just like you do on Instagram, except it feels a lot more intuitive because of the, the platform of TikTok and just how the content flows. The second way is you can upload your product and then offer people affiliate discounts or affiliate uh, commission. So I can put up a product and then I can say, Oh, you know, anybody who sells this thing, I'll give you 30% of the sale. All you have to do is just get one and just make your own content. It's really interesting because remember Andrew Tate? Yeah. One of the ways that this guy grew his community or whatever he calls it online, he would basically get a bunch of people in that group to create their own content, cut up Andrew Tate clips on their own, post it to a different page of that brand. So like, you know, let's say it's called, let's say the brand's called Sprit Society. Instead of the Sprit Society page being posted from, they would say, okay, you create your own page for Sprit Society, shop Sprit Society, get Sprit Society, Sprit Society flavors, you know, all these different variations. You post your own videos, you put your own affiliate code in the bio, and that's the link that you promote. And uh, you try to create as much content as you can to go viral. Anytime you go viral and people use that link, you're going to get, you know, 20, 30% of the sale and uh, you make money. I I make money. It's a win for everybody. TikTok just basically took this and said, let's productize this with this whole affiliate marketplace. And now, you know, it's basically, I think it's going to eventually, like it's the equivalent of replacing share a sale or skim links for publishers. This is skim links, but for content creators on TikTok. And this is something that Instagram has been talking about forever and never really put into action. And TikTok just launched it. And I think it's doing really well. The other cool thing. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, Chinese e-commerce is probably the most advanced. I think in China, e-commerce usage is 51% versus here, it's about 15.1%. And so they just understand all these little signals and what to implement much better. And so the interesting thing is there's, there's three options when you see a product. You can chat with the seller immediately and get answers. You can add it to a universal cart or you can buy it right there. The other interesting thing is it's, it's got a little bit of social proof where it says how many units have been bought of that product. And so the hardest cliff with this TikTok shopping program is probably getting to your first hundred. But once you're there, uh, you know, it becomes gravy because now you've got this kind of built in, you know, you can't fake that number in terms of how many things are being bought. And so anyways, that all leads me to 
this brand I've been seeing on TikTok, which I think, you know, it's actually been around for, I think, 10 years. And uh, these guys have just been all over my TikTok feed. And I get so engrossed with their ads, like their hooks, their quick cuts, and even their product pages. And so uh, it's a brand called High Smile. Have you ever heard of this company? No. Okay. So this company started with a $20,000 investment, two dudes in a kitchen, uh, I think like 10 years ago, maybe. Uh, in 2018, reportedly, they did $40 million in revenue. And somewhere between uh, 2018 and today, uh, I don't know when Shopify published this case study, but it said they did over $130 million in sales. Between 2018 and today? Uh, one of the years between 2018 and today, they did 130 in, in okay. an individual calendar yeah. so year. So I bet it's 2020 when it's COVID. Yeah, probably. Um, but they these guys are ripping. And so a couple of interesting things. So I went to their site. For TikTok, they have quite a slow site load time. It's four and a half seconds, which is super slow for a TikTok site. But the second this site loads, it's got it's got everything it possibly needs. So they have this always on 50% site-wide discount, uh, which actually might be against uh, FTC rules now. Sure. Um, then there's an email pop-up that comes up, another 25%. And then individual products are all discounted at different levels up to 50 What's interesting is these guys don't use landing pages. They drive everybody straight to PDPs. And their PDPs on mobile are so good. Right above the fold, the very top is like a scrolling bar that just basically says, you know, site-wide sale, 50% off. It's just constantly reminding you that there's a sale. Then right below that, there's the reviews call out. So what are the reviews and how many? And these guys have like 14, 15,000 reviews per product, which is pretty insane. You've got this best sellers badge. You've got flavor selection through emojis instead of through like, you know, on-brand iconography or uh, writing the words out, which I thought was much better, especially because emojis is kind of like another language. The first image in the product carousel has the discount designed into the actual product render, which I thought was amazing as well. They have another call out that says how many people are currently looking at the product. So at the time I was looking, it was about 4,300 something. And then right next to their add to cart button, there's a, there's a button that says tap to save 20%. As soon as you click that, the notification bar at the very top where the scrolling discount was, it just changes to say, you know, your discount's been applied or, you know, something like your discount will be applied in cart. Then I thought, okay, I wonder if these guys, you know, these guys must have upsells, right? If I add an $8 toothpaste to my cart, no, unfortunately there's no upsell. But wow, as soon surprising. as you hit add to cart, it does suggest a couple of other products. It doesn't get too aggressive with it, which I, w- I would have imagined it does given the layout of the page. But even in the slide out or even in the, uh, the shopping cart, it says how many people are checking out right now, which is just another indicator of like, hey, Moise, don't worry. You're not stupid for making this purchase. There's 300 sure. other people that are about to make this purchase. And so then... The last thing I look at is like, all right, what's the checkout like? When you go to checkout, you're going to love this. The, you know how at the top in Shopify checkout, you can change the banner or change the logo or change the color at the very top? Yeah. These guys just put uh, an image and on top of it, it looks like an Apple notification that says shipped from High Smile HQ, which yeah, has you know, nothing to do with like branding or anything. It's just another, it just makes you think, oh, okay, th- this must be legit. It's shipping directly from the HQ. 
the funny thing is like, as I was going through this, there was a couple companies that come to mind. One is called auto brush. Have you seen that company? I think they're based out of San Diego. They also have like a, you know, you put this thing in your mouth and it just brushes your teeth. There's another company out of LA called solo wave, which is like a, a face skin wand. It like tightens your skin. All these products, they've kind of like blown up bootstrapped. Uh, they tend to be electronics based somehow. Like these guys actually started with their whitening kit, but they all do like five kind of similar things. They have a new medium for the thing that they do. In this case, these guys have an airless pump for their toothpaste, which nobody does, which also makes for just great content. They do huge celebrity endorsements. So like these guys have the Kardashians, the Jenners, Conor McGregor, Wave has like Emma Chamberlain and Sydney Sweeney. They do a bunch of stuff on social media, creating their own content. And a lot of their content is actually just created by their own customers. So they'll either send product out for free or they will um, pay people to just create organic looking content. They have very easy to see before and afters. So like all these three brands I mentioned, you can clearly see before and afters. And then the last one is it just solves such a simple problem that everybody already knows exists. They're not trying to solve something new or reinvent the wheel by any means. It's just that the way that they're solving it is a much better way to do it. Uh, And of course, the fact that these guys just crush on TikTok, I have to imagine they crush everywhere else. What a great breakdown and what interesting uh, products. I guess these guys aren't as traditional, like, you know, I guess they're uh, they're, uh, founded and based in Australia. Yeah. Um, which for some reason makes me think that they're not drop shipper. I'm like, oh, if you're not in China, you cannot be, you know, like no, champagne. They've got the drop shipping like aura to them or like the yeah. drop shipping vibe with their, you know, heavy discounts and making it very easy to apply codes and things like that. Uh, and like no brand, right? If you go to their site, the only brand is like their product. Yeah. But I feel like these types of people, they do everything that everybody else is going to do in three or four years. Yeah, I was thinking actually like, um, you know, sh- like uh, bourbon can only be made in the United States. Champagne can only be made in a certain region in France. And cognac can only be made in cognac, France. Drop shipping can only happen from China. It cannot happen <laughs> from any other country. Uh, I will say what's really important, like one is um, that you're saving 20% with that disc. Click here. What's interesting yeah. is they're like price reflects the total after smile has been applied. So I don't know why you'd have to click here. Like what, if I click add to cart, you're going to charge me higher than the price up here anyway? Like you've already applied the discount code, but it is like a fun feeling. It like they gamify it. And I'm sure yeah. they tested it because this website is already, I can tell sophisticated enough that they've done a bunch of tests to see what works and what doesn't work. Like they have a permanent add to cart button at the bottom, the cart page, you're right. It's like, you know, a long time ago would say like, um, a long time ago, I, like people would be like, oh, John from San Diego just purchased. Nick yeah. from New York just purchased. Like in the bottom left-hand corner, you'd the see FOMO that. App. And then people... Yeah, exactly. The FOMO app. And then people got rid of that because it just wasn't working out that well. Where uh, We did this thing at Native with this pop-up where we're like, um, you know how when you're checking out with an airline, they're like, do you want travel protection insurance? And you're like, oh, no, that is one not. of my favorite modules. Yeah. But then they're always like 4,712 people have already agreed to this today. Like, yeah, you in know, the last are you sure? Hours. Yeah. It'll turn red if they're like, they're like, you're basically, they're like, you're not going to get there if you don't get this. Yes. Your <laughs> yeah. ticket costs $800. This $20 is what matters. It turns out. <laughs> yeah. That's what these guys are doing with this 175 people checking out now, 168. I wonder how real this module is. I mean, I, look, I'm not judging. I just wonder if this is real or if I look, if I leave this on long enough, is it just a random number generator? Sometimes you can see it in view, view source code. So like, I did that. Is a permanent number. 
Oh, I was did. trying to pull up the code, and yeah. as uh, it, so, it seemed that it would refresh every uh, on a set time frame, and yeah. uh, the container yeah. name was called like component number update fade leave active fade leave. And yeah. uh, I'm pretty sure it's it's just fake, but well, there was no app I could is. find behind it. But it, I yeah, it I mean, it would be if 185 people were checking out right now, I'd be like, that is a lot. You have a massive business here. Uh, I can't yeah. imagine that's actually true, but still good for them for doing all this. Looks great. Um, that's awesome. This site is really well optimized and interesting to see. You know, what's crazy is I feel like you probably get TikTok ads and Instagram ads that I absolutely do not see. Like my ads yeah. are so, spe- you know, my ads are so specific to me, even though we're in the same community you know obviously we're uh, you know a decade apart but we're like you know live in the same community it, we're both in e-commerce we're both uh you know young ish uh, or i'm young ish uh, i don't get the ads that you get which is really interesting or surprising to me so there's there's two things i love about tiktok ads or three things one is like understanding the comments engagement because depending on the comments you will know if this is a piece of creative that's actually working really well for the brand and for the people who are seeing it, or if it's just something that the brand thinks is worth putting out. And when there's no comments, like the advertisers turned off comments, usually it's not something that's doing that well. Uh, the second one is looking at the landing pages. So where are people driving through just because of how optimized they have to be. And uh, I love saving those pages. And the third one is looking at the instant pages, which uh, I don't know if you, have you seen those much? The instant pages on, uh, yeah, 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 I have, yeah. Yeah, they're just like built in Figma or, you know, yeah. some static image. And it basically qualifies the click to a landing page. Yeah, I, I can't believe, you, you know, you started this segment with uh, TikTok is doing, is like taking share of sale and building it into TikTok. And that's amazing because like, you know, right now it's so hard. If you're a creator, you're like, okay, I want to endorse a brand. How do I find that brand? How do I find a brand that has a good aesthetic? How do I find right. uh, what it looks like? How do I get, you know, images and all this stuff? And if, you, if you've ever used ShareSale, it was, looks like it was built in 1993 and the webmaster lost his login credentials <laughs> in 1993 and no one has ever tried to fix it. And, yeah. uh, it's so, it's so accurate. It looks so bad. And, um, you know, uh, you know, I remember using share sale and we would, everyone would just be like, hi, I'm a very good retailer. Like I want, or like, you know, very good person. I will not do affiliate codes. And I'm like, or I will not do like a PPC or anything when I was running. Yeah. He's like, I would not do PPC. And I was like, well, where are you going to advertise? Like, how are you going to get sales? And they'll be like, I'm going to run Google ads. I was like, you just said you weren't going to run Google ads. You, I knew you were going to run Google ads. You didn't even remember to lie the second time. Like you only knew to lie the first time. They're all like, you know, uh, uh, 98% of share of sale is are people living in Pakistan, I want to say, or India or some country. And they're just going to run PPC, running keywords against your brand name. Like if your yeah. brand name is native deodorant, they're going to run keywords for native deodorant, try and get the sale and get that 30%. That's great that TikTok's like, you can do this and you get the sale because there's an affiliate link built into your TikTok product feed. Someone can click through and like it's a legitimate person and TikTok is working with real creators and you don't have to filter through 99 people who are going to do pay-per-click against you uh, to find one real influencer on share. So everybody likes to talk about live shopping coming from China and, and being moved over here. I feel like this is kind of the version, the US yeah, the equivalent US of sense. live shopping, which is yeah. like... You know, you can give anybody, you know, it's kind of like the gig economy, except sales and marketing for consumer products. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. I always, like, you know, with uh, True Classic Tees, 
I saw them dominate TikTok for like six months. Every time I opened up my a TikTok, I was like, this is the only advertiser on here. What's going Every yeah. third video is a true classic tease video. I feel like they probably pull back a little bit of their spend on uh, TikTok, but it is amazing to see how people go viral and how big people can get. Like once you start seeing somebody dominating, you're just like, I see this everywhere. You know that business is crushing it through that marketing channel. Yeah, totally. Nick, you know what I really love about TapCart is you can constantly update your mobile app to reflect the season or environment that your site is in. So if you're running like a Black Friday sale and you have like a new hero image, super easy to do that in the app. It's not like a static thing where you load it once and it never changes again. You're launching new products, you're doing a July 4th sale, you can update the header really easily. You can update the look of the site to reflect the sale that you're doing. It's Black Friday, you wanna make a big splash. You can do that all in the TapCard app and they make it really easy for you to be able to update your app without a bunch of like headache and a bunch of getting your CTO involved or something to that effect. It's all self-serve. It's really fast. And I love that about them. Yeah. The other thing is pairing that with the discovery piece. I feel like one of the biggest things that happens during any sale is actually the the lack of awareness about a sale or the, the lack of discovery by custom their own customers that a sale is going on. And so using TapCart to one, have real estate on somebody's uh, home screen, but also two, have the push notification capability, that plus being able to merchandise your app around a sale, I think creates for a powerful promo experience. Pretty amazing. And to learn more, go to tapcart.com slash limited. All right, what's next? I've got a bunch of stuff to chat about today, but I want to talk about creative thinking when it comes to marketing. Um, You know, I feel like everyone now has sort of like relegated themselves to doing what everybody else is doing. Oh, you're running Facebook ads or TikTok ads? So am I. You're using affiliates? So am I. Uh, You know, maybe I'm large enough that we can both try, uh, you know, television. Maybe I'm large enough that we can both try out of home. And then we're like, okay, that didn't work. Let's not do out of home again. And so I wanted to think about like more, uh, here are four out of the box ideas that I've heard of. And I present these with no judgment except maybe the first one, which is, you know, bad. maybe the first two are bad, but like, here are just creative ideas and I want to put them into the, you know, e- ecosystem and I want to hear what you think really. Okay. One is, um, that you've probably heard of a few of these. One is this uh, company a long time ago called Hampton Creek. Do you remember Hampton Creek? Yeah. They made like fake mayonnaise. They were trying to make- Yeah, like, that, they uh, used to be like Just mayonnaise. Egg, right? Or Yeah, uh, they changed Justin's. their names to like Just Mayo. They changed their name yeah. to like Just Mayo. And so what they were doing is they were making plant-based mayonnaise, no eggs. And, you know, what happened is like they launched into Whole Foods and they're like, we're the number one mayonnaise in Whole Foods. And everyone was like, this brand is on fire. Everyone apparently has wanted eggless mayonnaise. And you'd go to Whole Foods and be like, what are, you, what are their sales at Whole Foods? And Whole Foods would be like, these guys are crushing it. They're the number one seller of mayonnaise at Whole Foods. And you're like, wow, these guys are amazing. And it turned out what they were doing was they were having people across the country go into Whole Foods, buy Hampton Creek mayonnaise and throw it in the garbage. And yeah. one guy, like, I don't know if he tweeted, like somebody made this public and the business, you know, was like pr- basically over that day because their investors were like, what the fuck? You said you were the number one seller of home, uh, at Whole Foods. I didn't realize you were taking investor money to go buy the mayonnaise at Whole Foods and then just throw in the garbage. Yeah, I think they also had a warehouse they were storing all this in. I didn't even, I thought they were just throwing it in the garbage. At least they're uh, a warehouse. I'm like, uh, you know, I appreciate a little bit more so they're not wasting so much stuff. But, you know, that was a creative idea, at least. It was a bad yeah. idea and something that was, you know, probably 
uh, like fraudulent. I mean, I certainly wasn't an investor and I don't know exactly what they said, but I would have guessed that there was some fraud around there. And so I think that that company went south, but it was creative thinking. Uh, let me go through. I, I have these listed in the worst to possibly best. <laughs> okay. Here's the second one. Uh, okay. And I only have four of them. So another one is how could we, we like, you know, um, with mobile apps, there's all these click farms in India that will go and download your mobile app and open it up every day to increase your mm -hmm. MAU or DAU or whatever statistic you want to modify. It's basically a click farm, right? Is someone created that for Facebook ads to be like, I want, like, let's say uh, I'm native deodorant and I'm competing against Dove. Every time I want someone to like try and get to Dove ads, like, you know, go to Dove's website, do all that kind of stuff on all of, on 10,000 phones. And when you get a Dove ad, say, don't show me this type of ad again. It's like spam or like, you know, I don't like this company <laughs> or something like that. And basically destroy their ability to advertise on Facebook because all of a sudden that company's marketing costs. You know, Facebook says a negative signal for an ad is worth 10 times more than a positive signal. Right. So yes, this company will still get likes and comments, but I just had 10,000 people in India for $25,000 go through and make mark every single ad as don't show me this ad again, which has got to hurt their ability to market on Facebook. That is so funny. My my version of that a few years ago, I never did it, but the thought was, what if we send a shitload of fake traffic and just completely mess up the retargeting pools, which would kind of do a similar thing. That does do a similar thing. Facebook has made it now so that you can like ban traffic from certain things uh, right. to to prevent the retargeting pool. I'm not sure if you go direct to the site, like you know, I'm not sure actually if you run traffic direct to the site. Uh, whether it would fuck it up. But I think the problem is people who saw the link, clicked it, and then went to the, you know, dove.com would be people who are interested in Dove, right? Yeah, totally. That's a much stronger signal. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but if you were advertising auto parts and drove them to dove.com, Dove's, uh, yeah, retargeting pixel would probably get fucked up. I'm surprised there is not more marketing warfare in an environment where so much warfare can be done surreptitiously. Like, yeah. you know, a a decade ago, uh, the United States and Israel partnered together to like, um, Iran has these things that like circle really fast called centrifuges to like to enrich uranium in order to build nuclear, well, you know, nuclear technology. Let me put it that way. And the United States and Israel created a virus and sent it into Iran's systems. So these centrifuges, which are highly, that spin really quickly, but are highly calibrated, spun too fast and basically broke themselves. Like they were supposed to spin at a hundred, you know, let's say revolutions per second. They spun at a thousand and they all destroyed themselves. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, they used warfare, like, you know, like legitimately digital warfare to attack Iran. How come there's not surreptitious marketing warfare? I'm surprised that that doesn't exist. I think everybody is probably fighting too hard of a battle of their own. To yeah, start thinking, to go, thinking about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's me because I'm like not doing anything. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, why don't people yeah. do this? Okay, yeah. number three is it's this company called And what they did is when people would buy their products, they would like, let's say you bought from my direct-to-consumer site. And let, let's, let's go back to Native because Native is definitely not doing this. What would happen is I would have someone from Instacart go and buy this product from Whole Foods or Target or wherever and deliver it to your door. And the amazing things were, one, I would show turn at Whole Foods or Target or wherever it was. And two, uh, you would get it same day or next day. So the, like, the delivery was amazing. You're like, I just bought this today and I got it by the end of tonight. It's really amazing. And so I think that that is really incredible because you know what, what happens is it, when you, the br brick and mortar retailer, Target or Whole Foods will be like, fuck, we are selling this product so well. 
Like you right. know, instead of just the sales that they have of people coming in and purchasing the product now, all of your direct to consumer sales are be- like you know you can send a bunch of your direct to consumer sales to beef up your brick and mortar velocity and inflate it. I don't know if that's you know I don't know where where on the line is this like gray you know is this black hat is this white hat is this gray hat I don't know what it is here. I know of a brand that's done this, and I think it proved to be very successful. They would basically get orders on Shopify, and they had a bot which could read the orders, and then it would like move the mouse and place the order on Instacart. The reason it was so effective, uh, and I'm I'm sure it's still done the same way, is the the systems are all bifurcated. So Shopify is not talking to Instacart. Of Instacart course, yeah, doesn't yeah. talk to the retailer. As far yeah. as the retailer knows, it's just new people coming in and buying this product. Yeah, and then it hits a point ones, yeah. where they say, okay, give them more shelf space. And then exactly. that, that kicker sort of you know takes over the sales volume. Okay, the last thing is, it's this company called What they do is they do a good job of promoting. They run promotions, but or at least a long time ago, they've run promotions, but it wouldn't be to customers. It would be to influencers. And they'd say, this weekend, we're giving you 40% affiliate codes. You know, we've got a thousand influencers. Okay, you usually get 20%. This weekend, you get 40%. And so people would be like, great, let me advertise right now this weekend. So they could control a bunch of affiliates talking about their product at the exact same time. They could get like a lot of turn at the same time. And they could maintain their brand integrity because it wasn't like they were discounting their product 40%. They were just increasing their affiliate code to 40% or affiliate fees to 40%. So all of a sudden, if you were a consumer, you saw 10 influencers that you follow on Instagram talking about the same product. And that kind of echo chamber, I think, increased sales without harming or damaging brand reputation because you weren't doing promotions all the time. You could basically say 40% to influencers once a month. And I think what the other thing they would do is they'd say, this weekend, whoever gets the most sales gets a new car like getting a new Honda Accord. And so then people are like, fuck, I'm super motivated to try and win this thing. So I thought all four of these ideas, buying it at Whole Foods and throwing it in the garbage, doing digital warfare when it comes to marketing, which is probably against Facebook's terms of service, uh, the you know buy stuff and deliver it through Instacart, uh, promotions to influencers. I thought all every time I heard of one of these ideas, I was like, this guy, whether or not they're do- what they're doing is gray hat or white hat, it's inspirational and then it makes me think outside the box. And I feel like we don't do enough of that in the e-commerce community. Everyone's like, I'm running the same ads. I'm doing a handwritten note. I'm trying to create fun packaging. I'm trying to create fun emails. But there's like the guys who change the industry or like bend the arc of the industry in minor ways are guys who are doing more creative things like this. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. In fact, this is the exact reason I loved all of the like the breakfast, the dinners, and the events we went to at Commerce Summit, those yeah. people at that event, those are the guys that are and girls that are doing this. They're they're they've got I think it's it comes down to quiet time, right? Everybody spreads so thin and just putting out fires all day. The people that have quiet time to think about these ideas and just think, okay, if I have to hit X, what are all the things I gotta do backwards? That's how they come up with these ideas versus, you know, being in the day to day and like, okay, we got to hit this or CPM's up or CPA's up. We got to fix this. We got to put that fire out. And then I agree. I think a lot of the stuff gets so lazy. I think like I I actually think about 5% of marketers are really good. And I think 95% are really good at copying the others and, you know, just copying basically what those 5% are putting out from an innovation standpoint. 
Yeah, that's right. And like, uh, you know, of the 5% that are really good at innovating, 1% will, like you've only heard of 1% of them. The other 4% yeah. of them are doing such a good job and they don't want anyone else to copy their stuff that they're just like, I'm sitting on this and I'm never going to tell anybody about it. Exactly. Here's one thing that, um, let me throw this creative idea, which uh, I was thinking about this recently because I was driving my mother's Honda Odyssey. And, oh, classic. Classic uh, brown you know, people I was car driving right there. around. And uh, that car has a bunch of like, you know, we didn't pay for the EX model. You know, my mom's my mom is too frugal for that. <laughs> she got very <laughs> mad at me. One time I remember I was negotiating the price of a car and I, the guy, this was a long time ago when keyless entry wasn't as big as it is today. It was mm, another yeah. Odyssey, believe it or not. And I w- called my mom up and I was like, do you want $500 off or do you want keyless entry for this car? And my mother was like, she was so ashamed of me. She's like, Tell them they can take one of the doors off if they'll reduce another $500. I don't need all four of the doors on this car. And I was like, okay, got it. She don't care about keyless entry. But in any case, the, th- the thing I saw was uh, like empty buttons. Like I saw buttons that you could push in the car that didn't oh, do anything yeah. because we didn't You're have right. the best model. And every time it sort of made me feel like, oh, you know what? I skimped out or I didn't. And like it had t- two effects on me. It sort of had the effect of, wow, I kind of hate it that there are empty buttons here. Like it's not a good brand consumer experience. But it's al- it's also the flip side of that coin is, wow, I wish I had sprung for the nicer model where I would have like an, all of the buttons did something. Right. And I wonder if in e-commerce you can do this. And I thought about this in this way. Like let's say you're a skincare company. And someone buys three of your products, but not all four. What if on the insert card that you send them with directions or whatever, you put all four products and you're like, here's how to use the, uh, here's how to use our skincare system, including the fourth product that, that person didn't buy. And like, let's say you have that upsell and they didn't take the upsell. And when you ship them a box, there's a spot for that fourth product. Yeah. It just stays empty. Yeah, exactly. Like what, what is the psychology of that? And I, is that something that encourages people to be like, you know what, let me get this fourth product. I want the system to work. I've gotten three of these products. The fourth product will work. Or is that a system that's like, fuck this company. You know, I bought three items. They're sort of rubbing it in my face that I didn't go all out the same way that I feel about the Honda Odyssey. I don't know enough about this. And like, you know, I, I, you know, I just thought of this because I was like, what are creative thinking ideas that we can do to promote our brands? You know, I hate thinking, like, I, it's not that I hate thinking about these things. I don't feel good about this because there's not a lot of integrity. If you're like, look, let me, I, I just have a fourth item. I'm trying to shove it right. in this guy's face. That's not a lot of integrity. But like, you know, if you are developing proactive, and I think proactive is like a three, three-step three skincare system, and someone only buys two steps, that third one is probably super important. You totally. know, is this a model to get them to work? The product will work better for them. You'll make more money. The consumer will be happier. Can it be a win-win? And I, I don't know the answer. To, I mean, it depends on every brand. But I wonder if there is an opportunity to create more, to be more creative when it comes to branding. And I thought, all, or like to marketing. And I thought all of these were ideas that could be interesting. Yeah, I definitely think there's a line where you know it, you might piss somebody off, which obviously you don't want to hit that point. But I do yeah. think you know, in the proactive example, that's actually more convenient for the customer to realize that they're missing yeah. a big step. Or maybe even in the skincare piece, you know, they miss the serum and the serum actually helps the cream do its job better. I think it's it's friendly there. I always think back too to like if somebody's unboxing this thing and they're really excited about their purchase, you know, do you want to disappoint them right away? I would probably say no. But then I the the flip side is like on the site, I think it's totally fair game to have those, you know, tap to apply coupons or the upsells or the one-click upsells post-purchase. 
So I feel like it's push and pull with where where you get in the into the gray zone. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, you want to build a like I'll say one other thing. There's um if you're a drop shipper, I'm more okay with the psychology of empty buttons because your brand is like in and out fast. You're trying to maximize right. revenue. You probably found some mar- product market fit and it'll die down. And once it dies down, you don't think of your brand yet the same way any longer. So you might be more okay with that. If you're trying to build a real brand like Native was, uh, I would never have done anything like this. I would have been like, this is shitty on the consumer from uh, the perspective of the consumer and I wouldn't do it. And so I think it does depend on what you're trying to build as well. Well, I got one piece of news that I think we should definitely talk about. I'm sure you're going to love this too as a WooCommerce fanatic. But did you see that ShopPay is now available outside of Shopify? I did not see that. It's available on WooCommerce now. So basically, Shopify in January released a thing called Commerce Components. It was like the flagship of their uh, Shop Talk presence was announcing this enterprise-level commerce component stack. And there's a few companies, I think Zulily is one of them. I don't know if Zulily has ShopPay turned on yet, but I know that they're a customer now of Commerce Components. But what's interesting is, you know, back in the day, one-click checkout was an Amazon patented patent. And so yep. nobody could do one-click checkout except Amazon. Even when iTunes was doing one-click buying of songs, Apple was paying Amazon a million dollars under the table to be able to do that and license the patent so they could do one click. And then Barnes and Nobles tried to do it, calling it something like express checkout. They got sued and probably settled for something. But it's interesting now because first of all, I think all of the other one click checkouts are gone. Like fast, pretty much vanished like ocean gate bolt. I've never heard of bolt, you know, like they used to be really loud during COVID. I don't hear about them anywhere now. Uh, although I do see that they're they're pretty active on on some stores, but now ShopPay has over 100 million shoppers with registered wallets, uh, which is amazing. And then the second thing with the Shop app getting bigger and bigger is they have now this Shop Wallet. And so, like uh, like you know, there's a balance that just sits in your Shop Wallet that you can use to purchase. And so last night, for example, I bought sunscreen. Uh, there was a sunscreen I wanted to try from Covey. Instead of going to the site and buying it, I went and did it through the shop app where I just, you know, I used my credits that I had sitting in the wallet and it was basically yeah. free. Those were credits I just earned for shopping elsewhere. But anyways, ShopPay is now available uh, to be On used other anywhere. Platforms. Yeah. That's really interesting. It's going to be huge. I think that, uh, by the way, is that a Stanley uh, water mo- uh, jug or where's that? This is a simple modern. Okay. I'm yeah. going to send you a Rotera from Brewmate that they just launched as water. You got to check it out. It's really good. Actually. Okay, sweet. Wait, one one last thing I want to add here yeah. is it, it is interesting timing because I feel like there was no there was no lead up to this going live right away other than maybe the fact that the wallets were starting to get, like people were starting to build balances in the shop app yeah. and maybe that commerce components came out recently. The only other coincidence I see for this to come out so suddenly was... Amazon's buy with prime button is I think starting to get some good traction in terms of getting on e-commerce stores. And I think this was more of a, oh shit, we got to make sure that uh, we don't lose enterprise clients to the buy with prime button when they should have the shop pay button. I just used the buy with prime button for the first time ever on this company called Roost, which does a MacBook, like a stand, like a portable stand, because I'm traveling a bunch. And so I really wanted that. That's so interesting. Yeah, I, I so I think it's great that Shopify is doing this. 
To be honest, I think the winner in this space uh, should be, and the loser has been so far, is Stripe. Like Agreed. Stripe should be doing this because they're powering the, forget about ShopPay, like they're powering the platform, they're powering checkout for, you know, Bloomingdale's, Lyft, Amazon, Instacart, everybody. Yeah. The person who actually owns all of these tokens is Stripe. Yep. And like, you know, they know everybody's credit card information and like- Even probably all the Shopify tokens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I'm surprised that they have not taken a bigger swing at this. They've launched something like this a while ago. I re- yeah, they have it. It's called Link, I think. Yeah, that's right. It is called Link. It's I think with the Q or something, right? Uh, and it's like you know they basically have not put a lot of resources behind it. And so I'm surprised that Stripe has not built a bigger moat around that type of like the network effect of I own everyone's credit card information and t- token. Uh, I can make it so everyone can have a one click checkout experience across the web. Whether you're on Bloomingdale's or Nordstrom's or right. you know, Native or uh, you know Mad Happy, wherever you are, I'm surprised that Stripe is not powering this. I think they will at some point. I think they may be. I don't, I don't know anything internally, but I would imagine they might be a little bit afraid of stepping on Shopify's toes. But I think they should because it's just too big of a market to give up. I've used theirs a few times, and theirs is really smooth and flawless. It's just very simple. There's no branding yeah. to it. But yeah, it is kind of surprising that they haven't. You know, like again, like you said, they're they're already powering checkout without everybody knowing it. I'm surprised yeah. they haven't just slipped it right in and been like, you know, even a promotion. We'll take you know 0.1 percent off of your transaction fee if you use one click checkout from Stripe. Yeah, that would be insane. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I can't believe Shopify is now powering this for WooCommerce. Um, I'm excited. I wonder how easy it is to integrate that stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm curious. I'm gonna see what it's like. Okay, let me switch gears into one more thing, which is an Amazon FTC complaint. There is a woman named Lisa Khan who is now running the FTC, and she uh, graduated from Yale Law School, I'm pretty sure. And she wrote this uh, one paper as a student where she's like, Amazon is a monopoly. And, you know, she's uh, like your age, not my age. She's like super young uh, running the FTC, and she's been really aggressive. And, you know, I think that like people are so afraid of winning cases that they don't bring cases that they might lose. She's more likely, I think she's like, look, I don't mind losing a case. I think we should bring cases. She brought a case against Amazon recently. And in fact, it just got announced this week. And she said that our FTC said Amazon is using manipulative tactics to get people to enroll in Prime and making it really hard to unsubscribe. I saw this. I don't think it's true, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's true, but I thought there were two interesting things from this article that I read about it. Okay. What percentage of households, of U.S. households, do you think have a paid Amazon Prime membership? Uh, 20%. Okay. Uh, it's 72%, according Holy to shit. Insider Intelligence. 96 million households have a paid Prime membership. Okay. Okay, and then the uh, so I thought that was really crazy. And it's, uh, the FTC, uh, this is in you know FTC's allegation, certainly not mine. I don't know anything about it. Uh, I've never I have Amazon Prime. I've never tried to unsubscribe. It seems like an amazing deal. Like I'm not sure <laughs> why anyone would try and unsubscribe. They could basically make it impossible, and I'd be like, no problem. But yeah, for years Amazon has made it easy to enroll with Prime in Prime with one or two clicks, but created a four page, six page, or fifteen option cancellation proce- process. So basically, the FTC is alleging that Amazon made it super easy for you to enroll in Prime and virtually impossible to uh, cancel that subscription because you had to click so many buttons. And it said, this is the best part. This is so funny. I, I read this and I was like, I don't know how to feel about this. And it really gets me jazzed up. Like, um, 
they talk about their unsubscribe flow or like, you know, the cancellation flow. They refer to it as the Iliad flow, which is a reference to Homer's epic about the Trojan War. Like there was a book, you know, called The Iliad and the Odyssey where like, you know, this guy had to come home from a war and he had to go through, you know, a thousand things to go meet his wife. Yeah. And that's what they refer to their unsubscribe flow is like, let's make it like, you know, coming home from a war, you have to jump through 44 hurdles. Um, so the, the FTC has said that it's a labyrinth procedure. It was designed to make it cumbersome and confusing for customers to cancel Prime. Uh, I just thought it was hilarious that they referred to it as the Iliad flow. That's pretty funny. I feel like yeah. um, you said she's my age, which makes me think like she hates everything that probably exists and does well on its own. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and she's going to she continue to bring those cases. Okay, so she's like seven years older than me. Yeah, yeah, it's young. Yeah, still pretty young. Makes me think she's going to want to bring a lot of things that just try to take Amazon down because they're just uh, big and they're Amazon. Yeah, yeah, she did write this paper that said, hey, Amazon is a monopoly. You said 72% of people yeah, have U.S. Prime. households, U.S. households. Wow. That, Which is, I like, mean, insane. Well, one thing I've I've always thought is it's so smart that their entire media arm is also under Prime because everybody's probably mainly there for two-day shipping or for a movie that they want to watch, and now they get the complete uh, opposite as well, right? Like they get somebody who can now get shipping for two days or can go listen to some Justin Bieber album that's exclusively on Amazon. And the one number of Prime members, it's like that's their user base for every piece of Amazon now. I'm shocked that it's not. Well, I guess 72% is super high. Like, um, who are the 28? I wonder if it's just like a socioeconomic thing where it's like, you know, we don't earn enough to, for it to make sense for us to pay a bunch of money to Amazon and get things shipped and delivered. Like, we go to Walmart or something. But right. Like, 72% is a huge number. And you're right. Like, you can do so many things, right? Like, um, watch movies, listen to music. Like Amazon, I used Amazon Music for a long time because it was free. Um, and, <laughs> oh, because I had a Prime membership. I'm like, oh, why would I pay $9? That is so on brand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I didn't even understand. I still don't understand it. Today I use YouTube. I still don't have a Spotify membership or like a subscription. I use YouTube Music because I pay for YouTube. Tele- like I pay YouTube Premium. And yeah. so I'm like, okay, YouTube Music is free. And like one guy was driving, I bought a Tesla. One of my friends is driving it and he's like, you don't pay for like the you know Spotify stuff, and I was like, no, I use YouTube, and he's like, what's wrong here? I was like, no, it's too expensive. Um, there are okay. Uh, let me switch gears to the last thing because I know we got to yeah. run. It's almost uh, uh, we're almost at an hour. One is, did you see that ten thousand the a clothing company raised twenty one million dollars and became, yeah, that was a lot. Um, Huge. Good for them. Yeah, that yeah, was a lot. great for them. They've been grinding. Yeah, they really have been. Uh, there's one other company, Skims. You know Skims. Of course. The shapewear company by Kim Kardashian. They're working on a new big round, apparently. The last round they raised was in 2022. They raised $240 million at a $3 billion valuation. And I thought it was really interesting that, like, you know, Kim Kardashian's just like, the economy doesn't affect me. Yeah. You know, like, I, my business is still on fire. I'm still Kim Kardashian. Yeah, exactly. She's like, I have my own GDP over here. We measure GDP <laughs> and my businesses separately from the US government. Yeah. Her GDP starts when you enter the estate perimeter yeah that's right yeah okay anyway that's it i I, I, that was all all i had did you have anything else or was that uh uh no did you see prime day was set july 11th july 12th i did see that yeah you know big two weeks big big stuff coming up in two weeks it's on 7-eleven's birthday yeah 
Did you respond to that guy to get your espresso monitor? I did. Yeah. Did you get jealous of that picture? I'm ex- yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, the same day you flew, I flew from San Francisco in coach in like the back of the plane on like a, a seat where I basically could never, nobody got up. So I could never use the bathroom. And I was like, okay, I need to travel like Nick Sharma's traveling. So that, looked, that was a very classy photo. Yeah, that was a great one. Okay, we have a big episode. Uh, first, this is the penultimate episode. Next one's the final one for season four. Um, next one will be with Ryan, the founder of True Classic Tees. I'm hoping that he's still able to make it, but I, I'm pretty sure he will be able to. I'm excited. Yeah. What's the what's your what question are you looking forward to asking him the most? I think I'm really excited to ask him about his uh, people management style. It seems like. Ben is really, really dialed in on the growth and the operations side. And, you know, Ryan was basically like, as the founder, it's your job to like build the culture, build the management style and build the uh, motivation within the team. And it seems like everybody there is basically like a SEAL Team 6 sniper for what they do. And so I'm really excited to see and just learn like how he approached that. Because I think this is probably his biggest company he's ever made. And so, uh, you know, he, he did that on his first big company as well. Well, looking forward to it. That's a great question. I'm curious as well. Like I, my question was, how do you and Ben divide responsibilities? Like, what do you focus on? What does he yeah. focus on? Because he seems so dialed in and like rarely do direct-to-consumer businesses have presidents and like, you know, founder, CEO. Uh, and so I'm curious to see how they split those responsibilities. Totally. Cool. This was a fun episode. Yeah, this was. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next time to cut through the noise in CPG, retail, and e-commerce. And if you enjoyed this episode, then why not share it with a friend? And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss the next one.